Hey, I'm Jamie, and I'm going to be on the Step Over Podcast. Hey, and welcome to the Step Over Podcast, Ottawa's grassroots soccer podcast. My name is Josh Lemoyne. Thanks for joining. Have you done something with your hair? Because you look fantastic. On today's episode, we're kind of continuing last episode's theme of uh, looking ahead towards the next CPL season. Last episode, Eddie Benhin was on. He gave us a scouting report on last November's U Sports Men's National Championships. Just a phenomenal guest as always. And today we'll be talking with Jesse Porter McLennan. If you don't know her name yet, uh, you will in the future. The last few years, she's been uh, the in-stadium announcer for Carlton's men's soccer games. And she's got a great future ahead as a as a Canadian soccer pundit slash analyst. So you're going to hear my chat with her, which will take a very Carlton-focused look at specifically their run in the U Sports National Championship. Um, where, spoiler alert, they lost in the finals on penalty kicks. But there is so much talent on that Carlton men's team. I needed to have Jesse on uh, to talk about who, who might be ready to, to make that jump to the CPL whether through the U-Sports draft or just straight up being signed to a pro contract. Um, now, before we get to that, uh, I do just want to give a quick shout out to Evelyn Arsenault and Kira Mellenhorst. Uh, both are Ottawa natives who have been called up to the U-20 Women's National Team camp. Both have been playing NCAA soccer. Um, Evelyn Arsenault uh, has been playing with UConn and Kira Mellenhorst uh, with the University of Oklahoma. Uh, they've been killing it and they've fully earned this U-20 camp call up. And also two names that I missed when I was taking a break with this podcast, uh, Sophia Cortez-Brown and Rosa Malouf, um, both Ottawa natives, were called up to the U-17 national team camp in that took place in Mexico in December, uh, where they played two games against their Mexican counterparts, uh, tying one game and winning the other. Great job by them. So both the U-17s and U-20s are gearing up for their respective CONCACAF championship tournaments. We know that Sophia, Rosa, Evelyn, and Kira will represent Ottawa extremely well. Now, I don't want to waste any time. Uh, we're going to get right to my chat with Jesse Porter McLennan. And hey, once again, uh, if anyone from Atleti Ottawa is listening, these are absolutely free reports on some potential star players, local players, no less. So, you know, you're welcome. Here's my chat with Jesse Porter McLennan. We're here with Jesse Porter McLennan, uh, whose voice you might recognize if you attended any Carlton Ravens men's soccer games um, at, as she was the stadium announcer at the Ravens Nest. Um, so I'm guessing that you're a student as well, right? Yeah, I'm uh, currently in my third year in communications and media studies at Carlton. Right on. Uh, so you've been the announcer for the men's soccer games at the Ravens Nest. Um, I've always thought that was like a pretty cool job. Um, like when did you start and how did you get into that? Yeah, so um, in my first year, I actually, um, so I grew up playing soccer, transitioned into rugby a bit in high school, and I tried out for the rugby team in my first year, but I didn't make the cut. So I was like, I still want to be involved in sports. Um, So I went to a rugby game, and there was a guy doing PA, and I was like, hey, like, I want your job. Like, (laughs) how how can I get involved? And he was like, yeah, this is my boss. Like, give her your contact information. And yeah, it turned out that he was doing like soccer, rugby, basketball, and it was just like a lot for him. So they kind of did need an extra hand. And like, she sent me a script. She was like, take a recording of yourself doing this and I'll see what it sounds like and see if you like have potential for this. And she was like, I was actually really impressed. Like, I want to bring you on the team. And then, yeah, in my first year, so 2019, I started like right away. I did the women's rugby and I did the men and women's soccer. And yeah, it was super fun. And um, I learned a lot from 
Richard, who was the previous announcer. But yeah, so I really just wanted to find a way to stay involved in sports without like playing. And like, I wanted to do more than just like an intramural and like also like sports media is something that I'm super passionate about. So I wanted to try and find work or even just like volunteering, like doing something involving engaged day productions, because it's something that I just am really passionate about. So yeah, I've been doing that since 2019. And unfortunately, we didn't have our season last year because of the pandemic but I was so excited to get back into it this year like you have no idea (laughs) so like what's the most important thing to remember to do or like to not do as a stadium announcer like if someone were to like walk in and be like you got to do this yeah I don't know like there's a lot of like as much as it's like pretty straightforward like reading a script like there's a lot of things that like you can't make, make make sure you don't do like when I was first learning like my boss was like, you never like making an announcement during an injury, like never, <laughs> like do not go on the mic. Maybe it seems like good timing because there's a stoppage of play because there is an often a stoppage of play, um, like football and hockey and basketball. There's clear stoppages of play, but sometimes in soccer, like you really have to like time it properly. Um, so that, that's one um, of many things. <laughs> <laughs> Enunciation of last names can be difficult sometimes too. <laughs> I usually try and do my research ahead of time. Smart, <laughs> but smart. sometimes you don't get it perfect and y- you just have to not be so hard on yourself. <laughs> <laughs> just plow through. Yeah, exactly. Um, so unfortunately, I didn't get to a live game at Carlson this season. Uh, so I couldn't hear you in action. Um, but do you have like an announcer voice that you do when you're when you're in the booth? Or do you just kind of oh, like yeah. roll with? Oh, no. Like I have an announcer voice. Like it's, for the most part, like, I find my voice is pretty animated, but, like, when I announce a goal, like, this is a different person. Like, it's a different personality there. Um, if you watch a lot of the CU Ravens um, videos that they post of, like, goals and stuff like that, like, you can hear me in the audio because I'm right beside the OUA commentator guys that do the play-by-play. So you can hear me, like, clear as day. Like, often, like, some of the players will send me clips and be like, do you hear yourself in this? And it's really <laughs> funny. So there's, there are clippers you can find. <laughs> okay, so so I'm going to put out a little bit of an ask for you. Could we hear a little bit of your announcer voice? Could we do like like maybe like a stinger for, for the podcast with your yeah, announcer voice? Yeah, a stinger for the podcast. Hmm. I definitely could, but I'm yeah. very used to reading a script. Can you give me like a line that you want Absolutely, to yeah. So how about, um, uh, hey, I'm Jamie and I'm going to be on the Step Over podcast. Okay, I can do that. Hey, I'm Jamie, and I'm going to be on the Step Over podcast. So we're going to put that all over social media now. Perfect. <laughs> Done. Yeah. This is how you do podcasting. You? Amazing. <laughs> um, okay, so this is a soccer podcast, obviously. Um, yes. And, you know, whenever I'm getting to know someone new, uh, especially in, the, you know, in this context, uh, you know, I like to get to know, um, you know, your history with the sport and you know you said you played a little bit um you know so when did you start playing soccer so yeah I started playing soccer like almost as soon as I could walk um so grew up playing rec and then once I was at the age of like 10 or 11 I switched to competitive and I played with the international for a really long time um but like once I got to like a higher stage I was a once like I got out of like the rec I started playing goalkeeper so that was like my prime position um and then once I was about like 13 12 13 there was a little bit of a political issue with my team like the other goalie that played for the higher level team her parents managed the team for free and assistant coach for free and it was a bit of a like 
okay, like I'm like, if I'm not clearly so much better than her, then I wasn't really going to be getting many more opportunities at this club. So then I switched to OSU um, and I played a little bit of OPDL there, but like, again, at the OPDL level, like they'll try you. And if you don't, if they can find somebody better, they're going to bring somebody better. And it's just the way it works. And I understand because it is like the higher level at that age. So I did get to play a bit of OPDL and, um, and then eventually I went down to the division one team. So I played for force black, uh, no force white. Yeah. The OPDL team was force black and it was force white. And then I played with them. So I would train with OPDL still. So I was training OPDL training with my team and doing goalie training on top of that. And so I did that for quite a few years. And then once I got into my 10th grade in high school, I started playing rugby and I, it was just, I was struggling to play for a team that was constantly losing. And I was getting to an age where it was like, might as well like try something new. So then I transitioned a bit into rugby, but like this PA job and like the Carlton men's soccer team has really brought like my passion back for soccer. Like I, it had died a little bit after like playing for a team for so long that just like constantly lost. And it was just like consuming all my time, training, 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 you know, like it gets to a point where you're like, you almost lose the love for it because you're like, Oh, like it's so time consuming. And like, you just get like, I don't know how to explain it, but you know what I mean? It gets, it tears you down a little bit when you're not doing it so much for like the love of it. Like it just takes the fun out of it. It takes the fun out of it. Exactly. And like the Carlton men's soccer team, like they've just brought in like this passion in me for soccer back out again, because they're just such a joy to watch. But yeah, so I was a goalkeeper for, most of my life and I loved it I because I'm, I'm a big talker so I like to have a voice and a presence when I'm playing a sport and I had the opportunity to do that as a goalkeeper so yeah that's kind of like my background in soccer that's fantastic I'm so happy to hear that like you know you got the you know about the joy back for you you know yeah like have you had like a like a favorite team that you followed yeah so um I started getting to the Premier League when I did play um and I followed Chelsea for a while um and then I don't know like I said like when I was playing soccer like once I stopped playing like I kind of just cut everything about it out of my life like that's just how much of the fun of it was taken out for me so now I'm starting to follow Atletico a bit more and obviously university like I followed the women quite a bit too and yeah I'm getting back into following it on a wider scale because I realize how much actually it brings joy to my life um but yeah like I did follow Chelsea for a while um but I'm not sure I'm thinking of reevaluating the team that I follow I don't know yet I feel like I kind of just jumped on a bandwagon when I picked Chelsea and I don't know if I liked my choice I mean there's plenty of room there's plenty of room on the Crystal Palace bandwagon (laughs) if you ever want to join one that's fine (laughs) um so you got to be the announcer for the U Sports Men's National for the U Sports Men's National Tournament uh what was that like for you Oh my God. It was just like, it was like every day. Like, of course I did regular season, like every week, but it was just like even more like, and I got to meet more people that work in the industry because they brought in people from Fox 40 to do the, um, like the video stuff, like the filming and the picking the clips and all that stuff. So I got to meet more people and like, it's just like, meeting more and more people in the industry of sports media that are just such amazing people and like working in the press box. The only thing that was so sad was that um, CBC, like, I don't know what their COVID rules and stuff. We couldn't have the broadcasters that we always had 
in-house and like usually they're beside me every time and I get to listen to them play by play and it's just like adds to it but they couldn't be there and like looking at it now like it would have been a lot like they would have had been in their own room like every game I'm told like Jesse you're right beside the play by play people like <laughs> stop gasping stop yelling like even when I'm off the, the mic, soundproofing is not good in these booths no it is not and you can hear me like uh they would the players would watch back and they'd be like oh my god like they could hear me in the background if someone like if there's a penalty and someone hit a player wrong I'd be like "Ooh, <laughs> you can hear me in the background but yeah so um it was definitely like I would say a very similar because it was all the same team aside from a couple new people but like it was it was a very great environment and it was nice to see more people coming out to the games because it was at a national level um, because these these men are just so talented, like even boys, some of them are still like 18. Like they're just, they're so talented and they deserve to be watched and they deserve to be recognized because they're amazing. Like, I wonder if you could talk a bit about, uh, you know, that fan support, you know, because you said that a lot more people came out, obviously, because it's big, you know, you know, the biggest tournament in, in uh, you know, men's university soccer. Um, because from your vantage point, you get to watch the games, but, but like also the crowds, um, like what were they like during the tournament? So obviously there's a difference between like a Carlton game and the other games, right? Um, it was nice to see that there are people, you could tell that there are some people who had traveled like very far to come and watch, like even people from BC and people from like Cape Breton, like you could tell people had traveled far for this tournament. And it just shows a lot that all these, these boys in university, like they have a lot of support. Um, but yeah, like, I would say the Carlton games, like there was a significant amount more, like obvi obviously like everyone knows about the Carlton alum, like they come to our important regular seasons games and they came to every single Carlton game that they played in nationals and lucky for them, they got four games. And it's just like, when they're there, they just bring like an electric like presence. That's just like unmatchable. And I think it has a lot to do with how the team performs. If I'm being honest, definitely has a lot to do with Obviously, they're very talented, but it just gives them a little bit of edge, you know, on top of the other team. Um, I have to say that uh, the Caravans, they had, a, they had a, a little, like, I'd say groups of 15 to 20 people that were doing some chants. And, and same with Laval. Like, I don't know. I find Quebecers are very, like, loyal and passionate. And, but, yeah, it was, it was – I just love, like, seeing people enjoying watching the sport and cheering them on. Like, it's – just it's so enjoyable to watch was it hard not to kind of join in with you know some of those chanting yeah definitely um in my first year when I did um PA for the men they had a turn the nationals was in Montreal and I actually have lots of friends that live in Montreal so I ended up going for the weekend of nationals and I went to one of their games I'm pretty sure it was the semifinals where they lost in overtime I believe I think it was overtime maybe even PKs, um, but I, um, so the announcers that we have at Carlton, Stevie and Alex, they're also alum, they used to play at Carlton, and they were there, so I ended up watching with the alum, and it was just so fun, so I've gotten to experience, like, what it's like to watch with the alum, and what it's like to do my job, and, like, I honestly, like, PAing the games is, like, my favorite thing to do, like, I wouldn't pick anything else over it, but it is hard not to be like, and I do sometimes have little chance with myself, especially <laughs> at nationals, like knowing that I wasn't like getting uh, disturbing the play by play, like I could talk a bit more. 
but the camera guys were getting annoyed. And one of them, I think, was filming for the team so they could go back and watch how okay. they had played going forward. So um, one of the cameramen, he was like, I still have audio on my camera. Like, they might not listen to the audio, but I still have audio. So whatever you say, like, they're going to hear. And then, like, the last day, he realized he could turn off audio. And I was like, are you kidding? <laughs> but I hadn't, I hadn't really muted myself anyways. But yeah. Yeah, it was nice because I could be a bit more vocal this time so you were at the championship game uh and my last guest uh was eddie benhin from 613 sports he was also there he said that it was it was an extremely emotional game and like that really came across in the broadcast um from where you were uh like how would you sum up that game oh my god how would i sum up this game so uh like we were dominating the whole game like it's talked about often, like Carlton is a possession team. Like they often like keep possession and like, they attack when they see per- opportunity, but they will take it. If the opportunity isn't perfectly set up, they'll send it right back and just maintain possession to try and make the team like frustrated because they can't even get on the ball. But um, we got our first goal early in the game and it was looking good. We had a nice one, nothing. And me and uh the guy working um the dj weber he's a close friend of mine and he used to play for the team also and look we're just like on the edge of our seats and like at the 80th minute like we both just felt this energy we were like something's off like something bad is about to happen (laughs) and like you don't want to you don't want to bring that energy in but like i don't know i just like had a feeling and like the way montreal plays it's like so they're very unpredictable which can be a good and a bad thing but like even though we're dominating like that's the thing with Montreal like they're so unpredictable that something happened out of nowhere right and then they score in like what like the 88th minute and I was just like are you kidding me like and just out of six of the games that could have overtime five of them went into overtime and so they it's 1-1 and like we see like there's like five minutes of extra time no one's gonna score in the extra time so we go into overtime and so the first half, like, each team's having opportunities. Nothing happens. Second extra time half, Montreal scores. Guy Franck Esome Panda, this guy, this 26-year-old man, like, <laughs> of course he can score a goal. Like, he has a lot of experience. You sports player of the year. Exactly. <laughs> and me and Weber just look at each other. We're like, no, like, this, this can't be the end. Like, we're going to get a goal. And then Quasi puts on Danny and we're like, okay, like Danny is asked, like, he's a bit of a wild card player too. Like he missed a bit of the beginning of the season because he was playing for the Egyptian national team, I believe. And then, but he's always been like phenomenal striker. Like I also grew up playing with him. He also is from OSU. And I was just like, I know Danny can do things. Like, I, I, I think this is a good sub. Like, and then literally last play of the game, like we have a cross in the net like 2-2 and then we're all just like like one of the most dramatic goals I've ever seen at like any level oh yeah and I remember um one of the players he's um he's on the red shirt uh Kevin Caba I'm not sure if you know who he is but he's my age and he's on the Carlton men's team and he came up to me and he was at a different point but he was talking about like at that moment in the game like you've just played 120 minutes like your mental, your physical, like you're drained, like keeping the composure, like to get that goal, like lucky for Danny, like he had just been subbed in. So I think like Kwesi took advantage of that opportunity, knowing all the players had are like 
drained from playing that much soccer. And he took advantage of that opportunity and he saved Carlson and kept him in the game in that moment. And it was definitely the craziest moment. Like I can't even, I'm sure a lot of the crowd was like screaming, crying. Like it was, you, it's just, you can't anticipate that. Right. Yeah. Like, and then PKs. And when, when it comes to PKs, like you can't, you can't really know what's going to happen out of that. It's honestly, to me, when it comes to penalty shootouts, it's a 50, 50 drop. It could go almost any way, right? Like yep. all of them are talented players. And like, you know, the, the classic saying, like it's the, sometimes it's just the way the ball goes. Right. And it's, it's really upsetting because of the fact that um, it was at home and we took a loss in penalties and it definitely was not the outcome that the gentleman wanted. And it was just so hard. Like I had to do, I had to do closing ceremonies with medals and stuff. I'm like, okay, I'm not going to cry right now. Like we're going <laughs> to save it for like, keep myself professional for 15 more minutes. And like, that was one of the hardest things that I had to do as my PA job this year was keeping my composure for that closing ceremony. I'm sure you were and extremely professional. I think I was. I think okay. I did a pretty good job. And I also, right at the beginning of the tournament, like a couple days before, my boss was like, by the way, like, can you speak French? I was like, yeah, I speak French. She's like, okay, so you're going to have a lot of French lines in your script. And I was like, oh, okay. Because we never do it. We never do French at Carlton. I think we should implement it, like starting next year, like having French all the time because we do a bilingual anthem. But yeah, so I also had to learn French. <laughs> well, <laughs> I know French, but I had to learn to PA in French. Like, they learn to speak it, like those lines really well. Yeah. Like yeah, sound exactly. like you're straight from Gatineau. Yeah, exactly. <laughs> and I, honestly, like I'm okay at it, but I mean, I think I did an okay job. But yeah, at the end of the day, like if we're talking about that game, like it was definitely like one for the books. And it's unfortunate that it wanted to PKs. Like I was talking about it with my mom after and she was like, yeah, it just sucks that it has to go to that point. Like it's too bad that they can't play until somebody scores because that's the way it should go. But unfortunately we don't have three hours <laughs> okay so you've seen this team all year you've seen, you've seen the highs the lows uh now that the season's over um are there any areas that the team needs to focus on for improving for 2022 that's a big question that's I why know. i called in the experts <laughs> yeah um a lot of it is um i mean one thing that is going to be hard not necessarily hard because we already had like amazing team, but like we are have a lot of graduating players this year. I think about 10 or 10 or 11 or a decent amount of players that are graduating. So we're going to have to, I'm, I'm sure Clay is bringing in people and like, we already have a long list. Like even the people that are redshirted, like they're, they're good enough to be starting. Like I've seen them all have their chances to play in regular season because they're playing teams that aren't as great. And they're trying to get people playing time that won't have the chance to play at nationals type of thing. And they have a decent lineup. So in terms of things that they can do to improve to be better next year, I mean, at the end of the day, like for me, when I find that they're slipping up a little, I, I one thing like they generally do get discouraged by is when like a team gets up. And I think it's hard for teams not to get discouraged by that. But I think Carlton also, in a sense, at Nationals, like proved me wrong in that sense, because there were games where they were down and came back. And I think it had a lot to do with 
the crowd and where they were and it was nationals right so that's one thing it's like working on like not being discouraged when they're down um I think taking advantage of more attacking like they're they're very much possession team and sometimes there's just too many passes in front of the box like I think sometimes they need to capitalize on their opportunities a lot faster um but yeah like Quasi is just like such an amazing coach and like all the players are so amazing like I think sometimes like a like a and b just they don't meet and it throws them off and it's like in the beginning of the first 15 minutes if something is going wrong it just they get frustrated um and one last thing i would say is like communications like kyle potter like such an amazing goalie and like one of his greatest assets is his communication he's a really good communicating goalie communicating goalie and like personally from my perspective like some of the times like if the team was falling a bit behind or they weren't playing up to their capability a lot of the time I felt it was a lack of communication so as long as they're communicating I think they'll do a lot better too but at the end of the day it's their team it's Quasi's team and he knows what they have to do and sometimes you just step onto that pitch and you let they aren't going to connect as well as they usually do and I think they'll find ways to protect in their cell in themselves in their coaching staff and that's just my personal opinion from playing and from watching um but I know that they're an amazing team and they just have greater things to come for sure. You know, you mentioned that Quasi's like just such a good coach. There's not many coaches that have um, produced more CPL draft picks. Um, and, uh, you know, not, not everyone on, on the Ravens team is, is going to either declare for the CPL draft. Uh, some aren't, you know, they're not eligible, um, mm-hmm. but uh, they will be pursuing professional opportunities. Um, so one thing about the national championships was that it was such a great opportunity to see a lot of the players all at once who maybe have pro aspirations. Um, yeah. uh, and the Ravens, especially like they seem to have like a lot of high end talent on their roster. Um, so I'm going to ask you to name five guys on the Ravens roster who you think could have professional level potential. So you give me five names and I'm going to write them down. So just the names to start. And I'm going to write them down, okay? Okay. Top of the list is going to be Matteo de Brienne. I think it's safe to say. Um, I mean, Raf's already played professional. We know that he's definitely eligible. And I'm not sure, like, do you know specifically which players are not eligible? I'm pretty sure I remember hearing that Gabby was not about. I think... I think because Gabby's in his last year, I think yeah. that means he's not eligible. Same with a guy like um, Mitchell O'Brien. I think he's in his yeah. last year of eligibility, which makes them not draft eligible. Um, yeah. But like, I'm thinking of just like, just like any player who um, could move on to, to like pro, pro opportunity. I mean, Terry Kamad, this guy, to me, like he was one of the most outstanding players in the entire tournament. I don't, I, often I find defenders don't get the credit where it's due. Um, Tarek is definitely one of them. Scott Mazoda, I would say. Okay, we got one more. It's hard to say. They're all such amazing players. Moses Kefiro. Okay. So, um, so I'm going to go through them one by one. And I'm going to ask you for like the Coles notes on each player and like what each player could contribute to a CPL team that might be kicking tires on on like whether or not they want to bring them in, like whether it's through the U sports draft or just like signing them. Okay. Mm-hmm. 
All right. So let's start. Um, uh, let's start with the last name you went with. Moses Kefiro. Yeah. So Moses, um, he is a, a very great player to have um, for the CPL. He can be a very good um, right back or left back. That's what he usually plays at Carlton. And he also, I think, could play very well at wing. He's very good at sending the ball. Um, and he also is very good at seizing his opportunities. Like as much as he was a new player to the Carlton Ravens, he played with Guelph um, before. And then um, he was thinking of, uh, he grew up in Ottawa and he was thinking of coming back just uh, finance wise. And Quasi was like, yeah, we'd love to have you. Came and played on Carlton. Apparently it was a steal for them because he, he used to start at Guelph and then came to Carlton and obviously they're, athletes level there is unmatchable to a certain extent and um every time he steps on the pitch like he makes an impact and that's why a lot of the times in nationals he may not have started but he did come in and he did finish and he's a finishing player and I think that's something that is very important to have at that level um and I know he has a potential for it yeah um Scott Mazzotta so Scott Mazzotta is definitely like one of my favorite players like on the team. He's okay. I, I don't want to get into just talking about how great of a person he is, but no, on it, the field, like I find he's always, he's very kind. Like he'll always, if I see him at the end of the game, I'll be like, great game. We'll have a nice little conversation. He'll say hi to me. Um, and like, he just, he has a very warm spirit about him, which I think is really, really great. And, not often easy to find in um people i don't know something about him like it's just special <laughs> um but yeah like he, he usually he's usually playing as a center mid like midfielder type of like and players like that like they help you connect and really make moves on the field and i find he does a really good job at keeping his composure like if he's like he's almost like his touches are <laughs> out of this world like i don't know if you saw his his volley goal in one of our games, that's probably one of my favorite goals. I think it might have been the season. first home game. It was one of them. It was, yeah. I, I remember announcing it and I was freaking out. I think I saw yeah, the replays. Like, it was like, like that, like that might've been the best looking goal until like Mateo's viral goal. Yeah. 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 Mateo's viral goal. Yeah. yeah. We'll talk about that later. But yeah. <laughs> <laughs> but yeah. So um, yeah, I find, and I think he also is just like, if we're talking about like, elements of a team like he definitely holds everything together like he is just such a, div a div diverse player like he brings a lot to the table on top of just like being a soccer player like he communicates well he helps send balls to make finishes and he can also finish um and I think he's just he can bring a lot to a team that um not only in his skill but just the person that he is, I think he would have a lot to offer. Uh, Tarek Hamad. Tarek Hamad. Um, so yeah, Tarek, um, he doesn't normally play center back. He's usually a right or left back. Um, but he had, I can't remember, somebody was injured and Quinn Honeyman Uten. Quinn Honeyman Uten usually plays that position, but they had to, he's been pretty injured. So they had to put Tarek in there for him. And like Tarek, like, what he has to offer as a defenseman is making sure that ball does not get anywhere near a goaltender. Like he's head, his head is first to it. And it's often 
directed right at a player on his team. Like it's one thing to just deal with the ball and get rid of it, but he is dealing with the ball and at the same time getting it to one of his players and then they're keeping possession and they're moving it. And as well as just being able, just the fact that he can handle a ball spirit with his head, with his feet and send it directly to your player's feet is to me like, and when you're doing that, like at least nine times out of 10, maybe more, to me, like it just something that really stood out to me at nationals. Like he was, he was one of the key players at that team. And he like, he saved a lot of shots that could have <laughs> been made at Kyle. And it was a lot thanks to him. And we saw like that ball he sent to Mateo for that goal. Like, like, o- like almost as good as like, I think Mateo's touch, uh, you know, to finish. Exactly. Like, like, that, like pin, that pinpoint pass. Unbelievable. He's an all around very good player. And I think he would, <laughs> he's very, much at the level where he could play um, in the CPL. And that was just, he stood out to me more in nationals than he did in regular season. I'm not sure. Maybe it's just because he was at a center back position. Um, But yeah, I definitely could see him doing very big things. And I think he could bring a lot to a CPL team just with what I've mentioned. Two more names. uh, Rafael Garcia. Yeah. So Rafael Garcia, I, when I first saw him play, I was just like, oh my god like this guy is crazy like because he was one of the newer names I hadn't seen before um and eventually I learned that he had played for Fowler before and he um, played the professional level so I was like okay yes like this is adding up now and he just does like it's been mentioned many many times before but he plays a right back or left back position but almost as a wing like he's sending balls into the box like many times like he's a very attacking defender and sometimes the team needs that um especially when it comes to Carlton like yes we want to keep possession and keep the ball on the ground and keep it in control but when he sees an opportunity he takes opportunity and it's usually spot on um and he definitely just has a lot to bring to the CBL it's been seen before he's been on CPL teams um and I know that like a lot of the reason that I remember him he did an interview with um the guys that work in the box play-by-play uh, when I was, you know, I was just eavesdropping because I was standing right beside. <laughs> and he just talked about like, he loved playing the CBL and it was a great opportunity for him, but financially it just became a thing where he just had to kind of like look at his future and be like, what do I really need to do right now? And he saw that he could play soccer at a pretty high level and get an education. So he just sees that opportunity and he's been a great asset to Carlton. And again, he could be a great asset for the CBL again too. Okay, and last name, Matteo de Brienne. Matteo de Brienne. <laughs> so he was drafted to Atletico this last year. Um, I, think he was, I, think, I think he was just signed. I think he yeah. was signed from like on a kind of like a youth contract. Yeah, I think it was a type of thing where this kid just loves to play the game. Like, and he didn't, it seemed like a, I'm going to be training, I'm most likely going to be riding the bench for the most part. And that's just not something that he's going to do. Um, so, he was like, okay, it's time to get into school and do my thing. Um, so Mateo as a player and what he can offer to the CPL is, I, there's a list that I could go down, but I will just highlight the most important part. Like he's always, he's like all over the field. Like this, he's like, flash goes zoom. This is Mateo <laughs> de Brienne. He 
is he plays his position. He's normally a wing. Sometimes he plays up front um, as a striker. But, like, he's really good at reading the play and knowing, like, if they need an extra man on defense, he's on the other side of the field, the opposite of where he normally should be as a winger. But then he's still capable to getting back to where he needs to be at that time. He is – yes, he plays wing or he plays striker, but he is all over the field at all times. Like, sometimes I'm like – Oh, you're there? I thought you were just there. Like, I think he runs like a good. half marathon a game. That's that's what 100%. I. One hundred percent. Yeah. He played. He played the last Nationals game with broken ribs, a a separated shoulder, and a fractured hand. Okay, like he's like oh Iron my God. Man. Yeah, he's he's, just he's a literally gamer. like Iron Man. He, no matter what team he plays for, considering he'll probably play for a CPL team, like he's gonna put his heart into it and he is like the biggest overachiever ever like often like they'll still win a game he'll come to me and he'll be like Jesse I feel like I didn't do enough and I will be like did we watch play the same game like (laughs) he's always trying to be better and he's always trying to do the best that he can to help his team out and he just has so much love and passion for the game that I know that when he does or if he does play for a professional level team like he's gonna bring so much to that team and whoever does or potentially will get him is going to be just so lucky to have him as a player because he's a fighter and he makes things happen. And his skill level is just out of this world for a 2002 boy. Like he's young and he's got all this talent and he can send a ball. He can strike a ball clearly. And he helps move the ball the way that Carlton does in their possession. And he just, I know that he could, he has so much offered in the CBL. And I think everybody can see that just by watching him. You don't even have to know much about soccer. <laughs> you, <can tell. laughs> you can just, you can just see it. Yeah. <laughs> yeah. Like I, one of my cousins came to the game and he, at the end of the game, he doesn't, he used to play soccer growing up. He's 33 now. Hasn't really watched much, but I was just like, you got to come to one of these games. Like these guys are crazy. Yeah. And at the end of the game, right away, he's like 22. Like that guy stood out to me. Like he should be playing at the professional level and he doesn't even watch a lot of soccer. So obviously Mateo stands out, even just, not even just from people who have a background in soccer, just from people in general. Like you can just tell he's amazing. So Jesse, that's all the questions I got for you. This has been fantastic. Thank you so much for joining. <laughs> oh my God, it's been a pleasure. <laughs> Of course, I want to thank Jesse for joining. That was fantastic. I got to say one thing that I've been that I've taken note of the last few episodes has been the quality of work and knowledge from soccer reporters and let's say analysts uh, from universities. You know, we had Jasmine McKnight from the Fulcrum, Jaden Dill from the Charlatan, 613 Sports' Eddie Benhin is also a Carlton student, and of course Jesse as well. You know, as soccer grows in this country, um, it's not just the players that are going to play a big role. The people talking about it too. You know, if we don't have these personalities, these reporters, these analysts, these pundits coming up through the pipeline, then the sport's not going to become what it can be in this country. And you know, each of those names that I mentioned, you know, they're a lot better at what they do than a lot of other people uh, who do get recognition right now. So give them all a follow on social media. You know, as things start to get back to normal, you're going to hear a lot more from each of them. As for me, that's it for this episode. Thank you so much for joining. If you like what you heard, like, subscribe, do all that stuff. Or not, you do you. Until next time, my name is Josh Lemoyne. We'll see you.